Algar Productions. Welcome to the Death of Podcasts. I'm Al, and this is Amanda. Hello. And we're making our way through Terry Pratchett's Discworld series one book at a time. This month, we're discussing book 16, Soul Music. Boo. Why don't we just tear the band-aid off and you tell the people what happened? Okay. I mean, too much and not enough? Yes. <laughs> so, Death has to take his daughter and ex-apprentice. Susan, his granddaughter, takes over the duty. Music with Roxin happens. That's... To us. Mm-hmm. For 10 hours of audiobook. I guess 300 pages or so of of paperback. A thousand years, it's still happening? Yeah, the problem is we hit that three-book crest Mm -hmm. of like, oh, now it's getting good, Mm -hmm. and then there's a lull again because there's this one, and we're not crazy about the next one either. I've only read the next one once, and it's interesting times. It's another Rincewind book. Rincewind's been gone for a long time. Ugh, not long enough. It's been like eight books since we've dealt with Rincewind, so it's been a while. But right now we have this. Yeah. And to me, it takes all the worst things about moving pictures mm-hmm. and all the worst things about soul music. Or uh, <laughs> about soul uh, uh, music. All the worst things about soul yeah. music. No, about uh, Reaper Man. Yep. And combines those into a new, differently bad thing. Except in Reaper Man, it was clearly two different books. And if you just read the short story about death, it would have been very good. This, the good parts are kind of peppered in, in like a a, a different way. And this is, David Mitchell has a bit on QI where he says, this is what a bully does, Mm -hmm. where someone's like saying something mean, something mean, something mean. Then they say, oh, no, I'm going to say something nice. Yes. This book did that, where I would be kind of tuning out a little bit because I was bored with what was happening and it wasn't very funny. And then we'd have this really good, poignant scene. And I'd be like, oh, okay, well, the book's starting now. So I'd start getting into it and kind of getting into the groove. And then wham, right back to the boring, unfunny parts. Right back to uh, Cut Me On Throat Dibbler, you mean? He was in this so much. Just like moving pictures. Just like moving pictures anytime anything happens in this city it's his Mm -hmm. book no i think if you separated it out the susan bits and made that a short story i think that would be good uh the it the thing is like i like susan um she's not like one of my favorite characters or anything but i enjoy her and i think there's some interesting stuff going on with her in this book but we didn't get to see much of it like susan doing the duty and collecting souls is kind of interesting but we get that for like three pages there's it's not that, long there's that and then there's her scene with rid cully mm-hmm. which is good and then there's her scenes with death at the end which are good like there, she has like two scenes with death we yeah. have one in the middle where she goes back to the past to talk to him mm-hmm. and then we have one at the end during the epilogue and the heart of the book should have been death and susan grieving that's and what i'm saying figuring out how to go on that's what i'm saying the 20 or 30 pages that i i'm just mentioned could be a decent short story but yeah she's and you talk a lot about how you like this character mm-hmm. i want to like this character but she's barely in this book then hogfather because i really do not care for christmas just kind of overwhelms me there and i like her okay in her one other appearance in thief of time thief of but time, yeah. she's not that much of a presence not like the witches or the watch or even moist von lipfig or tiffany aching she's not like one of my favorite characters i i enjoy her and i like some of her characteristics but she's not nearly as strong a presence as those other ones she should be though 
She absolutely should be. And the whole middle of the book, she's just gone. Yeah. She just goes away for a third of the book where we do these tiresome music jokes. No, it's it's uh it's it's uh, Imp. uh Reaper Man all over yeah. again. Like it's where death had a really interesting story going on mm-hmm. and completely disappeared for large swaths of the book. But in this, even when we're following death, it's not always good. Well, no, no, I'm talking about Susan. Death's yeah. thing is mostly terrible because it's pretty much one joke that goes on and on and on. And this is your bad thing. Yeah, yeah? I want to actually talk about this right now because okay. I hated it so much. Yeah. So death is distraught mm-hmm. because he had to... Uh, to take, co- yeah, he, collect he, the souls he, of the of two people he actually cared about. The people he loved most, his mm-hmm. uh, Mort, his ex-apprentice, and uh, his daughter. And after that happens, he, he thinks he doesn't want to do this anymore. And he's just completely, he's distraught. He's completely torn up about this. Mm-hmm. And so it could have been a really nice look at grief and mourning and what losing people means to him. And his um as he becomes more and more interested in humans losing them right um but instead it's just this like series of hackneyed old gags like first, and it's really just the one no there's for a long time there, the, that's the worst one but it's three sequences of gags the thing in the bar didn't bother me so there was some okay stuff. There. There's three sequences when mm-hmm. death death is trying to forget. He just mm-hmm. he just can't hack it anymore, and he just right. wants to give up. And real quick, I want to point out, yep. I do like that this is in some ways a direct sequel to Mort. Yes, yeah. We don't get much of that. Like for this long running series, you rarely get a book that picks up on specific events mm-hmm. from a previous book. So that was kind of cool. Um, we did that between. Um, uh, which is abroad in Lords and Ladies. Yeah, it like happens one, occasionally, yeah. but not very often. So I'd like to point it out when it does, just because you don't get a lot of specific narrative continuity. It's more sort of general character development. So anyways, the, the three things Death does to try and forget mm. is he um, goes to a bar and mm. tries to get uh, tr- tries to get drunk. He uh, sort of gives up and uh, goes and hangs out under a bridge with some homeless folks, mm-hmm. which we need to talk about because there's some little stuff there. Yeah. Um, but the my bad thing, the part that I really hated was he joins the Clatchian Foreign Legion, which is where you go to forget. Yeah, like the French Foreign Legion in the actual world. Right. Um, but it's not him sort of trying to throw himself into that. It's just that everyone there is forgetful. And there's a lot of jokes like you come to the Clatchian foreign legion to, uh, to, yeah, it's very vaudeville. Uh, and then in the next very next line of dialogue, yeah. it's like, uh, forget, forget what? Yeah. And then just on and on and on. Like and that. it's not like a couple of lines that's, no. that goes on. Like when we were listening to it, that was like a half hour. Like it was a yeah. long time. And then we actually come back to it because Albert death's um, like manservant is mm-hmm. looking for him to try and get him back to work. And so he goes to the Clatchy and foreign legion and we do mm-hmm. the whole tiresome thing a second time. Yeah. So it ends up being almost an hour of this 10 hour book. And mm-hmm. it is, not funny and it's stretched so thin and we're not learning about death and his feelings and no. what's going on with him we're his we're not exploring his inner life at all no it's a vessel to deliver this joke which honestly if it was a one page one minute joke it could have been really like really tight yep it could take have been all very of the funny. best bits of this you take a you yeah. take a character like 
Sam Vimes mm-hmm. or somebody with military experience and you say, in their past, they had gone to blah, blah, blah. Like it could have been a big footnote. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the Clatching Foreign Legion to forget. Everyone forgot why he was there. Right. That, that's it. That's, that's, that's you're the joke. done. Yep. And then move on. But this joke was tired at this point. Like, yes. It wasn't a particularly good joke, and God, it was long. No, like I say, I think it's a, I think it's a good one-liner. I do not think it is a good let's hang out. Like mm-hmm. it's like a comedy sketch that won't, it's like an SNL sketch. So it just long. would not end. <laughs> yeah, and if the rest of the book had been funny or interesting, mm-hmm. maybe that would have been like, well, that's that's too bad. Sometimes he missteps, but the rest of it is not great. Not great. It's, but we'll I get mean, back to that. It's better than moving pictures. I liked it better than moving pictures. Disagree. And it's better than Sorcery, the worst book. Um, but that's about it. Yeah. No, the problem is, and I'm weighing my grade based mm-hmm. on he should know better now. Mm-hmm. Moving Pictures is like, okay, he's trying something and it didn't work. And it's like five books later and he should know better. Mm-hmm. There's no reason to do this again, except that he thought he did a good job. And... I don't think that he did. No, and we actually watched an interview um, mm-hmm. talking about the animated. Uh, yeah, and we'll talk yeah. about that more in a bit. Where we were sort of hoping, like, when you watch, uh, when when uh, when you're doing post-atomic horror, sometimes you read Memory Alpha to see if the writers apologize yeah. for, the, uh, for the episode. Mm-hmm. I think we were kind of hoping either he would say, maybe that wasn't my best book, or... I really was going for this or, or whatever, or maybe explain it to us in a way where we're like, oh, we just need to look at this from another angle. But mm-hmm. he didn't talk about it at all. It was what kind he, of disappointing. No, what he said was, uh, well, I find when I create this fantasy world that I need to put in things from our world. And why? I don't enjoy it when he does that. I love his characters. And he talked a little bit about that, how people would always write him and say, oh, this character is just someone I know. Mm-hmm. And... That's because he writes these wonderful, very alive characters. Yeah, and he said it's because they're types. Mm-hmm. It's not like based on anyone specific. It's just this is a type you of meet person. This, you meet this person over and over and over again. Right. And I like I well, love that shows his characters. A, that shows a, a fundamental understanding of storytelling because storytelling is archetypes. It's it's the same kinds of characters. Um, but my bad thing is what we're talking about. It's mm-hmm. it's. Just like in moving pictures, there's a lot of tedious references to stuff from our world. Mm-hmm. And and in this one, even more than in the other one, yep. there's a lot of characters making terrible puns or references and mm-hmm. then saying, I don't know why I said that. There's there's a lot of references, for instance, to the Blues Brothers, right. which is one of the better comedy movies about a band. So I guess that's not a bad place not to start. Not as good as Spinal Tap. No, it's not. Oh, well, yeah, now I take back everything I said because Spinal Tap is a great movie and Blues Brothers is fine. But Blues uh, Brothers doesn't do it for me. Blues Brothers had better music. But um, That's so that's something about me. Yeah. Uh well, I know we'll, yeah. We'll get there yeah. in a sec. Put a pin in that. Okay. Um but there's a, there's a moment where okay, there's a dwarf named Glod and this is a callback mm-hmm. to there was a dwarf who wished everything he touched, or there was a king who wished everything he touched would turn to Glod. In one of those sort of monkey's paw, right. I, made a, I made a bad wish. And so everything he touched turned to a dwarf named Glod. Yeah. And so this guy is Glod Glodson, presumably a descendant. Right. It's never actually overtly said, I don't think, but you can kind of figure that one out. Also kind of a good character. Yeah, I like him. Yeah. We'll, we'll talk about that yeah. in a minute, too. Um, but he said, uh, uh, so they have to go do something. And the, the troll says, uh, we're on a mission from Glod. And then he pauses and says, I don't know why I said that. 
Motherfucker, it's your book. You chose it. You chose to say that. Yeah. Give people a reason to do these dumb things if they must do them. Or maybe don't draw so much attention to it. Like, yeah. you, you can hang a lantern on something, but only so many times before it's like, come on, man. It happened a lot, A though. lot. And all the bands named themselves after. Like, it's, mm-hmm. And it's that thing that, like, Mad Magazine mm-hmm. does where it's like, you just change one letter mm-hmm. and it's a different wacky thing. It's like there was barely any thought put into it. There's one or two good ones. There was a, a band of dwarfs whose uh, name was a play on They Might Be Giants. Yeah. We're definitely dwarfs. And that, yeah. was, that was good. That was pretty good, yeah. But mostly it's like lead balloon because Zeppelin is a balloon. Mm-hmm. Do you get it? And so on and so on. Just, uh, I don't... Like, there's a point, and we're seeing a little of it mm-hmm. with The Watcher already, but there's a point where this series starts bringing us out of the fake fantasy medieval mm-hmm. world and into the fake fantasy like renaissance mm-hmm. and then into the fake fantasy like victorian era like like the industrial revolution and that's an interesting progression to me because each beat of that is them inventing something or discovering something or changing the way something is done instead of just something from our world wholesale appearing there it exists. Yeah, it doesn't creep in no, to, it from exists, another universe. It exists in and of the context of the mm-hmm. world. Later on, this is not really a spoiler. They'll create something called the Clax, mm-hmm. which is their version of the internet, which right. is basically semaphore towers. And what he, I imagine, did was he said, I want this world to have something like the internet because it's 1999 and I'm using the internet and it would be interesting. So let me start with what exists in this world and build it out of that, out of the tools these characters already have, instead of just one day someone waking up and saying, I think I'll make the internet because it came to me from Earth. Yep. Like, that's the difference. I like things from our world showing up if it happens naturally in the context of the world and that it just keeps happening like this instead. Yeah, it creeps through. And actually, there's some good Ridkelly bits where he says, oh, this is happening. This is actually Oh, yes, say your quote then. Yes. Well, I have to dig it up. I was not prepared for this. Ah, That's because conversation. Threw me under the bus. I did. I threw you under the fantasy bus. It's a cart. This bus. Do you get it? No. It's a music cart. No, I'm... It's a music cart. Do you get it? I do not get it. Um... Where is it? Ah, here we go. He scratched his chin. Oh dear, one of those. Stuff leaking into the universe again, eh? Influences coming from the outside, yes? Remember what happened when Mr. Hong opened his takeaway fish bar on the site of the old temple in Dagon Street? And then there were those moving pictures. I was against them from the start. And then those wire things on wheels. This universe has more damn holes in it than a quirm cheese. And it's just him saying... Remember these terrible books that happened? Yep. It's happening again. Everything just keeps leaking in here. And I, I actually liked all that. And we were actually talking about that when we were uh, listening to the book where uh, we, Rid Cully says, oh, we got to be worried about the things from the Dungeons Dimensions. And we're like, uh-huh. oh, again? And then he goes, oh, again? Yeah. And it turned out that's not <laughs> it's what it not was. It. But, no. but it's still, it's nice to give a character that uh, that awareness. Yep. And actually... Uh, this is related to your good thing. Yeah, my uh, my good thing is actually uh, Ridcully sort of in general. Mm-hmm. He was uh, quite good in Lords and Ladies. Like, that was more of the Ridcully that I think of when I think of Ridcully. Yeah, removed from the context of the university. Yeah, but in this, this is a really strong Ridcully book. And, it is. I mean, he has an opportunity to shine because the other characters aren't so amazing. Like, he's not being put up to some of the best characters. And they never are. <laughs> 
I am very, I have been very clear that I don't care for the wizards, but there's some good Ruth Kelly stuff here and there's some good Reed Kelly versus Ponder Stibbon stuff yep. here. Yep, and um, so this is this is a good Ruth Kelly book. Uh, we get more of him being charming with Susan. And the thing that I like is him being the only stable individual um, where everyone else is being around, uh, like sort of blown around like weathercocks by whatever magic thing is happening. In this mm. case, it's the music. And he's the only one who isn't affected like that because he doesn't just sort of go with the flow. He's very much himself. Right. I, I don't understand. And I've said this before. I don't understand what the point of the wizards is. Like there was a big deal made in equal rights. Mm -hmm. And then again, in Lords and ladies about the difference between wizard magic and witch magic. And they're both equally important. And the witches take care of this and the wizards take care of this. But every time we see the wizards, they don't do anything. Mm -hmm. And these these people in this university hate that there are students, and I get that that's the joke. That's, I do yeah, that's, understand that's that that's also the joke. a university professor's joke. It's I, like the job would be great if it wasn't for the customers. It's like the Clatchian Foreign mm-hmm. Legion. It would be a funny joke if they did it once or twice. Right. But it's there. It's it is an established plot mm-hmm. point through all of the books that they're not there to teach anything. And why are their children here when they just want to eat and be fat? I mm-hmm. guess that's like, it. I don't understand. Like, the witches are so capable, and I love that. I love all everything about that. But why aren't the wizards anything? And later, in one of the uh, the later later books, there is some good discussion about um, a character who wants to do, uh, who who's sort of interested in both wizard and witch magic, and so we get to talk more about that, and yeah. we get a. Um, a dude character who wants to become a witch. Mm-hmm. And I think it's one of those things that I feel like would have been better explored in a later book. Mm-hmm. Um, and this book could have been an opportunity to explore that. I just anytime but, we spend time with these guys, I just wonder what they're for. And the, all of the sequences are too long. And yeah. there's only like the only sort of decent characters in the university are Ridcully and the librarian and Ponder's okay, but he's not like, no, I like Ponder as a foil yeah. for Ridcully quite a bit. And there's actually kind of a long passage is the only, I I've highlighted so little in this book. Yeah. I have a couple of highlighted things, but there was just like, and there was some laughs and like, th- this was definitely funnier than the rest of the yeah, bad his, books. His craft is better by this yeah. point in the series. Like, Sorcery and moving pictures, like... Oh, Sorcery had almost no jokes in it at all. Just not funny at all. Yeah. Not funny. Yes. But um, this was... This was, like, there it was had, laughs, yeah. and, and there was some good character moments, but it was... A lot of the laughs were, like, in the footnotes, the asides, mm-hmm. the things that weren't directly dealing with the, the plot, just the funny little things he, th- mm-hmm. he thought up, but... The the book immediately previous to this, he built this great city with all these little details. Mm-hmm. And it's like, okay, we're back in the city. So why did you get it so wrong this time? And God, I laugh my ass off. Like, Yeah, every piece. Like, he was just building, like, everything about Ankh-Morpork mm-hmm. in that one book. And it was all gold, man. Um, So this is a bit of a long passage. Like okay. I said, it's the only other passage that I highlighted. But it, it's a bit long. And this this sort of focuses on why like uh, i think ponder's a good uh, uh, foil for ridcully and why they're they're kind of funny together you know the lightning monks up in the ram tops they say there's a background noise to the universe a sort of echo of some sound sounds sensible to me the whole universe bound up uh, starting up bound to make a big bang said ridcully 
Uh, it wouldn't have to be very loud, said Ponder. It'd just have to be everywhere, all at once. I read that book. Old Rick to the Counter wrote it. The monks are still listening to it, he said. A sound that never fades away. Sounds loud to me. Or sounds like loud to me, said Ridcully. <laughs> Got to be loud to be heard any distance. If the wind's in the wrong direction, you can't even hear the bells in the Assassin's Guild. It wouldn't have to be loud to be heard everywhere, said Ponder. The reason being, at that point, everywhere was all in one place. Ridcully gave him the look that people give conjurers who just removed an egg from their ear. Everywhere was all in one place. Yes, so where was everywhere else? That was all in one place, too. The same place? Yes. Crunched up very small? Ridcully was beginning to show certain signs. If he had been a volcano, natives living nearby would have been looking for a handy virgin. Actually, this just goes on and on and on and on like this. But I like the also, dynamic. Also, it's funny. It is. But I like what I like is the dynamic of sort of practical mm-hmm. science versus common sense. Mm-hmm. And Ridcully's whole... What? No. But what? How can things be made of strings? Strings? What? No. No, like the idea of um, dark matter would mm-hmm. be something that Rid like, well, there has to be, like Ponder would say something like, well, there has to be dark matter to explain the real matter. Yeah. Well, that's, explaining something that exists with something that doesn't exist doesn't make any sense, boy. It seems like you're cheating. Yeah. And what I like is the logic versus the common sense. Mm-hmm. That's very good. When you get into the specifics, Ponder's not really much of a character beyond nope. just sort of being... Kind the, of a nerd. Yeah, like which that's is about that, it. That's fine. Yeah. But you get more into, like, later on, they get into, like, splitting the atom, mm-hmm. but the magic version of it. The and, thalm. Yeah, and computing and that kind mm-hmm. of thing. And eh. We have Hex in this one, the yeah. uh, the uh, computer. And it's fine, but I just... that None of that ever really does much Mm-mm. for me. It's It's... It could show what the wizards are for, what right. they do, but it's all tell and not show. We never see anything practical being done by any wizard ever in pretty much any of these books, and it just baffles me. And the thing is, in real life, there's plenty of things that are not done for practical u- reasons, well, yeah. but who that end up having practical effects. No, you should see the repercussions yeah. of their research and like, oh, now we can do X because of this research or like, whatever. People talk about how learning philosophy is pointless, and I like deeply, deeply gr- disagree with that. Learning this is why learning... people hate moral philosophers. Oh. <laughs> because you... When you learn philosophy, you're not learning, like, you know, how to do something, yeah. like, something. But you are learning how to think and how yeah. to think critically. And you're and learning how, how to learn. And you're learning how to learn and you're learning how to write. And yeah. you're learning how to look at, like, to look at things and look at things in a different way. And it's super useful. No, it's the intellectual version of when the dwarfs in a Discord book talk about having basic tools so that you can, you can then build complicated tools. Right. And so if the wizards were the philosophers and if they were thinking and if they were um, thinking up thought experiments that then helped them uh, grapple with ideas, like that yeah. would be something, but it's really not that. Ponder and his guys do that a little bit, but it never comes to anything. No, and again, I understand their comedy books and I understand mm-hmm. these guys being old men and being mm-hmm. into the latest trend is a joke. It's not a joke that I'm into, but I get that it's a joke. I understand that they're not all going to be useful, mm-hmm. and that's fine. But you got to have a Granny Weatherwax. You got to have a Nanny Og. Mm-hmm. Like, where are their counterparts here? Ridcully wrangles these people, yeah. and that's it. He and doesn't do anything. Ridcully's good, but he's not up there with those really classic, amazing characters. He doesn't add like 
think of it in terms of Vetinari mm-hmm. running the city. He lets the wizards stay because they've always been there and they pay tax, mm-hmm. not because they add any value like all the guilds and everything else. Right. Like the wizards are there because they were there probably before the city was there, not because and they're because useful. getting rid of them is more trouble oh, yeah. than it's worth. But they don't really like everything else. Vetinari sort of mm-hmm. allows to be there helps the city work. They're they're kind of the exception to that. And it's just unfortunate. But it's very much a repeat of Reaper Man. It's the Dean rebels and mm-hmm. all the old men are doing stupid things and all the mm-hmm. now the, the old women, the the like the the cooks mm-hmm. and uh what's, Mrs. Whitlow. Mrs. Whitlow I was trying to think of what her title is. Yeah, like is. she's she's the, the one who runs everything. Right. Uh she she's interested in the music with Roxanne and throws her underpants up on stage and haha, she's an old lady. It's all just <sighs> It's all just, um, and I hate to accuse mm-hmm. Terry Pratchett of this, but everyone of that age, baby boomers yep. going on about how great the 50s were. Like, oh, the invention of rock and roll changed everything. It did. It absolutely did. But, so. And also, he doesn't really have much new to say about it. And that's something that I don't normally accuse Terry Pratchett of. Normally, no. he has. So much insight. So much insight. Or, and that's one of the things I love about his books. Or a way of restating something you already know mm-hmm. in, a, in a really plain and simple way. Yep. But, okay, so it's it's all about this dumb music. Let's talk about what, we, what we had started talking about. Let's talk about, about me. Yes. The most interesting person alive. Uh-huh. But... So this is all about music, and something about me is that I don't love music that much. Like yeah, it's, it's not as big a part of your life as it is of many other people's. Like lives. it's fine. I'm not like I don't hate. Well, that's not true. I do hate a lot of music, but I, I don't hate music as a concept. But I don't listen to a ton of it. I, it doesn't usually provoke this sort of emotional response in me. Like it doesn't mm-hmm. really click with me. And there's a sequence in this where Imp. The um the guy who's running all of this who music. ends up changing his name literally to Buddy Holly in case you Woof. didn't get it yeah um and he stops playing music with Roxanne and instead plays a music that he wrote from home that's like supposed to be this sort of sad mm-hmm. uh like homesick kind of ballad and you talked about like yeah he, he really goes on and on of, about yeah. how important this music is yeah. and i just don't buy it the whole time and then there's this mm-hmm. sequence you're talking about that's maybe in the audiobook it was five minutes so right. probably five to ten pages yeah. where he plays this beautiful melancholy music that before all this nonsense started is what got him into music it's what he composed in his uh land called lemedos which is um uh, wales yeah. basically and Everyone in the crowd and everyone within earshot can hear and feel and like for a moment was like, if the whole book would describe the music like this, I'd be into it Mm -hmm. because I suddenly I get it because you're you're showing instead of telling. And I definitely saw that the writing in that sequence was better and more descriptive and all that, but it was describing an experience that I just don't understand. Like it's just something that I I don't connect with. So in in the way that. A good story or a good movie will provoke a response and your yeah. music doesn't do that? It just doesn't do it. Hmm. I just don't... I mean, honestly, a good a good movie doesn't really do that for me too much either. Okay. But um, particularly with music. And so this was that, this was that thing again where 
he was describing something like someone looking at the sun and sneezing, and it <laughs> and I don't do it, and I don't understand. You've seen it, it happen to me. I on don't a number it's, of it's, occasions. It's just a lie that everyone's telling, and I don't know why, and I don't know what they have to gain. <laughs> um, but it's just one of those things that I just I just don't experience, and it just so. I definitely noticed an improvement in the writing in that sequence, but mm. I didn't, at a very sort of visceral level, understand it, and it didn't help me understand it. Like, it, some of his descriptions are so clear, and they're so good that they really do help me along in understanding mm -hmm. something. This didn't. Well, that's fair. See, I liked that, and that was the only bit that I liked that had anything to do with the music. Um, I did like most of the band, the main band, which is a troll, a dwarf, and this guy, Buddy. Yep. The pretty good. Well, Buddy was not much of anything. No, he was a vessel to play the music, and I didn't. That was one of the main things I didn't understand mm -hmm. what the point of him storytelling wise mm -hmm. was. Like, he's not. He doesn't learn anything. No. He delivers this music that doesn't affect anything, and then everyone forgets it. So what? Like, I guess kind of the point of it was a little bit that he should be playing the music. That was with inside himself all along, but that wasn't really the story that was being told. But then at the end, when we set the the the, the rock music free, mm -hmm. he doesn't go back to doing that. He no. works in a chip shop. Yeah. So I don't know. I don't know. It, that, that was a bit of muddy storytelling. There was a lot of that in here, but um. And again, that's something that we very rarely accuse Terry Pratchett of. His well, at this is, at this point in the series, anyway. His narrative and his plotting is so strong, and it's always so clear what he's trying to say and where we're trying to go. I don't know what the point of this book is. That's what I'm saying, and I think he was a weak plotter earlier mm -hmm. on. I think, I mean, obviously the first two books were pretty much stream of consciousness. Yeah. And even Mort had some things where it's like someone has to do this so that the next thing can happen, mm -hmm. but it never exactly made sense. I mean, there's, you know, he got better, but he's definitely better at this point. But getting back to the band and all that, this is my good thing. Mm -hmm. um, specifically, I wanted to call out the troll, who is the drummer in that he beats rocks together. Right. Well, that's fine. That's an okay troll joke based on his trolls. And the trolls are like, this is a form of music for trolls. It's yeah. not like, haha, dumb troll. It's This is a musical instrument that they play. Well, it's a special type of rocks. What I like is uh, he starts with the name Leas and then he goes by Cliff because just like moving pictures, everyone changes their name mm -hmm. to a showbiz name. Whatever. But um, he's a much more intelligent troll than we've seen before. Like, he's not like, and I love Detritus. Detritus's mm -hmm. whole thing in the last book, I, I, it spoke to me. I love it so much. But I like that this guy is not that. He's not the dumb monosyllabic troll. He, he Occasionally, there's some good humor in him not getting something. Mm -hmm. But mostly, he takes immediately to Glod, specifically the mm -hmm. dwarf. And we know there's huge animosity between these two people. And I love that. But it's because both of them see themselves as musicians. Yeah, we're part of this. As, other, it's yeah. the watch thing again. Yeah. It's we're part of this other team that really doesn't have anything to do with that. And during the the scene where they all get introduced to each other, um, Imp says something along the lines of, I hate stupid rocks. And he's not mm -hmm. talking about trolls. And no. Cliff explains to him, listen, in the city, that's a bad, that's a bad word for trolls. Yeah, and you shouldn't say that. that. Yep. And I am telling you this very good advice because we're both musicians. Right. And... He is. He's not. He's like we have had a lot of trolls who sort of get angry and they're kind of big, dumb, big, dumb trolls and, and all that's that. And fine. Yeah, it's fine. But um, Cliff's not like that. No. And I like that. Yeah. And I like Glaude. There's a there's a runner about him being terrible at negotiating. And that joke actually made me laugh a couple it's of times. It's pretty funny. Because 
every time he starts negotiating and then we sort of cut to the end of it and it costs the thing costs more whatever yep. the thing happens to be and it's it's quite good and at the point where death comes to collect them mm-hmm. he starts to negotiate and they're like stop no, no please don't don't <laughs> and i just i liked their dynamic i liked it reminded me of Cuddy and detritus mm-hmm. but enough that it, it didn't feel like yeah it didn't feel yeah. like he was repeating himself where i like a troll and a dwarf who are friends after we've spent 16 books talking about how mm-hmm. these people hate each other we've got more and more examples of people living together and working together and eh, i like that so that was something that was a legit it wasn't like me scraping to find something. Yeah, I like I, I like the patrician. No, I liked these characters. <laughs> Anytime we say something like that, I like the patrician being great. Yeah, you can't use that every single <laughs> yeah. time. So the patrician's barely in it, and he talks to his um, informants, mm-hmm. who are these homeless people. Mm-hmm. Let's let's go ahead and talk about that. So these guys come up. Um, uh, they've like come up before yeah. and in this sort of middle swath of books they're around a lot yeah and they're part of the beggars guild and we mm-hmm. met the queen of the beggars in um a previous book mm-hmm. um and so we've got cumbling michael foul old ron and Duckman. there's more but yeah, yeah those are those are some of them and the joke is that they are um like that they they have some kind of uh, mental issue like that they are and they're all unpleasant to be around yeah. one of them smells they bad smell and bad and okay. they're like they're sort of they they mumble and they mm-hmm. like uh they say inexplicable things i and i kind of don't hate uh foul old ron's millennium hand and shrimp because that's a they might be giants reference yeah. but also i don't know i just i like the way the uh, nigel planer reads it but I didn't really think of it the first time mm-hmm. through when I read these 10 years ago. No, me neither. Why is the joke, haha, homeless people smell bad? What? Punch up, man. Yeah, and, and Terry Pratchett usually, again, usually does. Yeah. And this feels kind of like a cheap shot, and it's not particularly funny, and it's, no. it feels mean. Yeah. Um, And there's a, it's a weird sequence because these guys are going to the patrician to give him intel. Yeah. And then the patrician doesn't pay them? No, he's like, well, the last guy said you you paid us. And, oh, really? Did he say that? And that's it. And it feels like he would. It feels like the yeah. patrician would do the the most practical thing to keep things moving smoothly because that's his, his whole thing. Yeah, so I didn't buy it from the patrician. And it felt like, it felt weird and like bad mm-hmm. and kind of mean-spirited. And I, it was it was very sort of uncomfortable to read. Yeah, it was. And it's unfortunate. So we haven't really talked about Susan a whole lot. Well, Susan, um, there's some stuff that I do like about her. Mm-hmm. Um, the Her parents called her Susan to make her a Susan. Um, Death even says, they called you Susan. They really wanted to be sure, huh? Because they wanted to make sure she was practical and that she wouldn't fall into sort of the magical, uh, the magical thing. Because when she hung out with Death, um, they got along quite well and she really takes after him. Mm-hmm. Um, so they wanted to make sure she stayed out of it. So they sent her to a boarding school where she learned logic and science and to be very practical and, and very it's, grounded. It's always amusing to me, people that live in this obvious fantasy world where ever magic is obviously real it's not a secret or anything mm-hmm. and there are people who just don't believe that it's real right it's baffling to me it's it's very human mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but uh, like it, it's not baffling in the sense of i don't understand why it's in the story it's why people like this <laughs> but uh that's sort of her 
Like that's sort of the juxtaposition is she is a magical creature Mm -hmm. with a magical special destiny, but she has been so grounded that it's hard for her to accept it. And there's actually not a bad bit where the death of rats shows up to try and get her to take her to to do the duty or to find death or to fix Mm -hmm. it because things are starting to go wrong. Um, And she says, well, I'm not going to follow you because it would be like such a soft thing to follow the guy into the magical world and whatever. Um, And so, so I I like that about her. No, I do like everything we know about her. We just don't know that much and she doesn't do very much and she doesn't really move the plot. And there's a point where her, at least it didn't go this Mm -hmm. way, but it felt like it almost did her weakness for buddy, her basically her schoolgirl crush. Yeah. Her teen, Mm -hmm. like uh, in a, you know, uh, hard to shake mm-hmm. like attraction to a rock star it's like uh, that doesn't feel right based on what i know about this character no because the whole thing is that her tragic flaw is how grounded and practical she is so on the other hand she is 16 uh, she is but it and yeah she spends a lot of time trying to save buddy and figure out what's going on with him and then at the end she saves him and everyone forgets about uh, yeah. the, the music and all that and she goes off to like flirt with him at the chip shop where she where he works yeah. and that didn't feel particularly earned like no. just like with um death's apprentice and his daughter they sort of hooked up i guess in that book but it didn't really didn't like well, i didn't it's really not like, follow it's not like these two started dating it was everyone at the school thinks there's this cute guy down yeah, at the but chip that, shop but that's sort of the yeah. implication but and i mean later we know. On, when we come back yeah. I, I don't think that it's mentioned again i don't think it is which honestly probably the best let's just move on yeah <laughs> yeah no she was like it's kind of like gas pod and moving pictures yeah. let's save the good thing and, yeah. and and detritus i guess and and just ditch everything else and there's some good bits with her when she does the death voice that i love so good and i that's one of the times i wished celia emery had still been doing some of mm-hmm. the audiobooks because nigel planer is fantastic yep. and these these books that are set in the city where there's a hundred characters he does so many different voices and he's very very good i want to be very clear that that is my favorite way to to experience these mm-hmm. books. He's so good. And later, his successor, Stephen Briggs, also very good. Good in different ways. But um, I really like Cecilia Emery, though. Me too. Yeah. And I wish they'd kept her in the mix because mm-hmm. something like, like his Susan voice wasn't very good. And he's only got so many voices. Yeah. So it, that's not really too much of a dig. But a woman doing kind of a soft teenager voice and then switching to the harsh death mm-hmm. voice would have been so funny. Like, it's funny in writing. He just couldn't sell it. And she did do the death voice yeah. in those books, and it was it was it was good. Yeah, um, there's a whole bit where she's talking about uh, being named Susan and the Susanness of things, mm-hmm. and that's a joke that's done so much better in the Tiffany books. Just about everything about Susan is better with Tiffany. Yeah, because Tiffany Aching, who is the star of basically mm-hmm. her own sub series, mm-hmm. is kind of the same character only different enough that it's not the same it's not the same but 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 she a lot of what terry pratchett was getting at with susan is significantly better with tiffany and tiffany's more of a character yeah um there's a lot more to her and tiffany's up there with those really good characters yeah Yeah, you list like your top five yeah and tiffany's gonna be in there because she's really good absolutely um but yeah i mean i want to like susan Mm -hmm. i just there's very little going on here and and she just disappears yeah it's yeah, it's not the greatest thing. Um, so we watched this uh, animated mm-hmm. adaptation of it. It's done by the same people who did the one for uh, Witches of Raw yep. that we also watched. Or, uh, 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 Weird, Weird Sisters. Sisters. Yeah. Um, 
I think they had significantly less money. Well, it was longer, I think. Yeah, I think it had like eight parts or six parts instead of like oh. three or whatever. Um, but Again, the, anim- the script was definitely there. They knew what they were doing. Yeah, we, we sort there of skimmed jokes. through. We didn't watch the entire thing. It's too long. Because uh, we had just read the book. And I didn't really like this book that much. So yeah. I didn't want to then experience it. Like, we, we already finished it. Why do I have to do more homework after my homework? Because we're doing a review show and we should review the things. Don't I get any dessert after I eat my dinner? No, just no. more dinner? Oh, I'm Look, so full of soul music. We signed up for this. Don't... Uh. Uh, Ugh. You you went up to the buffet and filled your plate. I mean, this is Throw this is away. your doing. All right, podcast is canceled. Okay, podcast is canceled. Um, but the character designs were not good. The animation was not good. A couple of the character designs were pretty good. Hard disagree. Um, I thought that Buddy looked good. Like mm. I liked the design on him. I liked the design on uh Colon. Uh, he yeah, he was all right. Iron, I guess. But there was like everything looked like like someone was had the shakes when mm-hmm. they were drawing it, and it was everything was askew and sketchy, and just not not in a stylistic way, just in a mess kind of way. I liked the kind of the mess kind of way. Like I did I, not. I it was very um, it was I thought it was very stylized. The character disagree. design the character design in Weird Sisters was quite quite good, and the yes. character design was not nearly as good in this. The one standout thing about this mm-hmm. was. The voice acting. Very good. Specifically, Sir Christopher Lee as Death, which, like, there's a lot of, and Terry Pratchett talked about this mm-hmm. in the in the yep. interview segment, uh, all these characters are open to interpretation, and there's no one right one, and the unspoken mm-hmm. thing was, except Christopher Lee as Death, because could it's you perfect. imagine, like, he's sinister, but he can also sell the vulnerability, and it's just, it's so And good. the exhaustion, just yes. his, yes. he's so tired of all of this yes no it was his excellent choice and i believe they hold on to him for the live action hogfather i think so yeah i'm pretty sure he does the voice for you know someone like in a skeleton suit or whatever yeah no he he was really good this the the gal doing susan she was was quite good good. and also again the death voice when she does it there quite good yeah um yeah there were there were a lot of good voices in that i liked um when cliff moved there's there's a noise he makes. Oh yeah, like rocks sliding. Yeah, and, and when, then when death yeah. moves, there's some like bones clattering. I didn't like Cliff's voice. They gave him sort of a like a blues man. Yeah, it, it sounded a little problematic because yeah. it sounded like here I'm a stand up comic in the '90s and I'm doing my black guy voice. Yeah, it's like ooh, ooh, don't don't do that. Stop stop doing that, please. Yeah, and the um at one point in the book we go off to a mountain fastness and there's a hermit. Um, yep, and we just skip right we, over that. It no was, thanks. It was very. It felt. Oh, it was yeah. not good. No, but not the, good. But but we got a, enough of a flavor of it, like a feel of the flavor, mm-hmm. that it was. It was funny. It was clear that they knew what it was about. Mm-hmm. And again, I want to point out whenever someone gets the point of something, because that Weird Sisters adaptation that was no, that had no jokes, mm-hmm. just really s- sticks with me. And it's like when someone can look at these books and pare it down to the essence of it. And this, they were like, it was a pretty good adaptation. Like, if yeah, I of had, a bad book. Of a ba- the thing is, I didn't care for the book, so yeah. yeah, I didn't. I wasn't super into the adaptation, but it was. Yeah. It was certainly like, there's not a ton of good adaptations of Terry Pratchett stuff, and these yeah. were pretty good. Yeah. Um. So, so there was that. Is there anything else about the actual book? Um... I did like the the quote unquote defenseless old lady who ran the mysterious music shop. Yes. That's that's a sort of a stock 
Terry Pratchett character, but I enjoy her nonetheless. And I like when they go back to the mysterious music shop and it instead of being completely gone, it's just on the other side of the street. Yep. I'm pretty good. But all of that felt like it was from one of the bad Stephen mm-hmm. King stories where it's like, and a guitar possessed someone. And then Ooh. it had teeth and it yeah, was okay. running after him somehow. Yeah, okay. Just didn't. Oh, and there's also the raven because... Oh, boy. So... The Death of Rats, who, by mm-hmm. the way, in the animated version, sounded like Slimer from the real Ghostbusters Also cartoon. a little bit like the Cheat in Homestar. No, because the Cheat is cute. <laughs> the Cheat is cute, and this was irritating as hell. It was. I liked how the Death of Rats looked. You didn't care I for I didn't, him. because his his beak was so pointed mm-hmm. it looked like a bee. He looked like a bird. I thought he looked cool. No, I should have curved his mouse nose a little. I thought he was great. Of course, because you love that character. I do. I, no, I didn't love him in this. No, but he and the Raven, who in the book is there to translate, because yep. all the all the Death of Rats can say is squeak. Yeah, and so you know you need you need someone to translate. Is quoth the Raven? Do you get it? I mean, that's a Terry Pratchett joke. It's fine. But the the Raven wasn't funny, and it was all like pretty tired old Raven jokes. Yeah, and I I was not interested. No, me neither. And most of the Death of Rats and the Raven stuff was, again, old comedy bits. And in the animated version, they just, they seemed like child sidekicks, which made it way worse. Mm -mm, Did not care for them. No. Um, Death of Rats did uh, something that was kind of uh, good in the book. There's um, a character named Cleet, and he runs a musician's guild, and he kind of sucks. He's, Mm -hmm. I guess, the villain, sort of. Um, this doesn't really have much of a villain. No. Um, and the de- when he dies, the death of rats comes for him because he's mm-hmm. a rat. Mm-hmm. I thought that was pretty good. Mm-hmm. It was all right. Um, I did like, um, there's a bit at the beginning when mm-hmm. Susan's learning how to do the death thing. Mm-hmm. And she's coming to collect the soul of this very old man. Mm-hmm. And there's a cat on the bed. And the death of rats just like kicks it in the butt. Yep. Like, that's all. Pretty funny. A lot of this book has been done in other books previously or will be done better in future There's books. There's whole chunks of yeah. Hogfather in this book that are just waiting to turn into the book Hogfather. It's yep. weird. And, like, we have Hex start out here, and there's some jokes about, uh, like, little, Hex... Like, little things like that yeah. is, are fine. But it... But whole books... Yeah, this felt... It was really patched together. Yeah, I, I really just... I didn't enjoy it. In, in case that wasn't clear. It didn't really not very not much. very good. Yeah, not very good. You got anything else? Um, I got my quote. What do you got? Well, this is another long one, okay. which sort of I guess like talks about uh, like even though even though we didn't love this book, there were some really good long passages. Well, he's, he in writes it. good prose. And this is Susan talk like sort of reflecting on life and what life is. Mm-hmm. Life wasn't simple. She knew that. It was the knowledge which went with the job. There was the simple life of living things, but that was, well, simple. There were other kinds of life. Cities had life. Anthills and swarms of bees had life. A whole greater than the sum of the parts. Worlds had life. Gods had life made up of the belief of their believers. The universe danced toward life. Life was a remarkably common commodity. Anything sufficiently complicated seemed to get cut in for some, in the same way that anything massive enough got a generous helping of gravity. 
the universe had a definite tendency towards awareness. This suggested a certain subtle cruelty woven into the fabric of space-time. That is quite good, and I don't remember that passage at all. It really stuck with me. It was just Susan. Yeah, no, it's quite good. Yeah, and there is some good stuff about that, and there's actually a good sort of um, meditation on death uh, when death is talking to Susan about why her parents had to die Mm -hmm. and susan says well couldn't you have done anything about it and he says well i can grant an extension of like existence but their lives are over and they wouldn't want that and we talked about it what he said was you can be immortal or you can be human which i liked and he made them the offer yes because he loves them yes and he didn't want them to die right but they didn't want that. They didn't want to just sort of continue no. existing on. That's what Albert does. Yeah. And all the time that Albert's like alive in death's realm, it's not really living. No. I did like, this is just a, a tiny little concept. Whenever Albert goes out into mm-hmm. the actual world, he uses up what little life he has left and he gets knocked out when he's uh, mm-hmm. trying to find death and he's got like 37 <laughs> seconds left. And death comes back to save him. Yes, he does. But it's 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 an interesting idea. It's an interesting sort of spin off of the whole lifetimers, like life sand in mm-hmm. your hourglass kind of thing. I, I enjoyed that. There was this wasn't all bad. Mm, it was mostly, bad. but it was mostly bad. Yeah. Uh, the grade that I gave it yes was a D minus mm-hmm. because uh, he should know better by this point. Yes. It's, it it was maybe like a C minus if I'm being completely mm-hmm. fair, but because it came right after. Uh, Some really excellent books. Lords and Ladies and Small Gods mm-hmm. and Men at Arms all in a row. And then this is Three like, truly what? excellent books. What happened, man? And after we get over the interesting times hump, we got a long stretch of good mm-hmm. ones again. So like, uh, it's it's so strange. And I think it's because he didn't necessarily write them in order. Mm-hmm. He's got all notes and all things like, you know, the these notes might have been from... 10 years before that he just finally got around to writing. Or maybe he just wasn't like he hadn't entirely found his voice yet. And this is a sort or of a return to that. Maybe he thought this was a good book. And maybe, maybe the, the fandom at large, which you and I are both largely ignorant of, mm-hmm. thinks these are good books. This one in Moving Pictures. But we don't. Maybe. Yeah. So the cliche count. Uh, there's only two gingerlies, zero susurrations. There are eight surreptitious, however, four of those are the band Surreptitious Fabric, mm-hmm. which was, uh, what, what is that? That's a pun on um, uh, Velvet... Underground? Underground. Yes, Velvet Underground. Uh, something that happens to other people, three, which is a whole lot. That's a lot. That's a whole lot, Dad. Back off on the joke. Only one quantum. I, I added a special cliche in this one because there's a running joke that I found extra tedious. Oh, boy. It kept coming up. So, Okay. Elves in Terry Pratchett mm-hmm. and in a lot of in a lot of fantasy, but he's established yep. that they're evil suckers. Like yep. in Lords and Ladies, that's what they were. But the when elves breed with people, yeah, and they uh, like there's elvish like babies. Yes, they're just just people who look a little weird and who maybe have uh, some musical talent or, or some charm yeah. or whatever. And the but whole they're just more people. The whole so everyone kept saying you look a bit elvish and. It's obvious they mean Elvis, and it's like, okay, 
12 times. So many, it felt like 150. It's like, okay, I get it. Elvis and Elvish sound similar. Once or twice you is fine. You get to say it once. No, I say it once and then pay it off at the yep. end. But because the joke was he worked in the chip shop and there's a song called I Saw Elvis Down at the Chip Shop or right. something. So the payoff was supposed to be that. But 12 times. So many times. Yeah, it's not good. Uh, well... Anyway, that's all for this time. Um, we didn't do our pune. Oh, okay. Was there one? There was. I actually, there were the there were lots. There was actually some pretty good ones in this there, one. There were. Yeah, there were. This, there were. Okay. this one actually, like, we had a few to pick from. That's true. What do we got this time? Um, good grief, breathed Buddy, in the huge, echoing emptiness. No wonder they call it the cavern. It's huge. I feel dwarfed, said Glaude, who yeah. is a dwarf. Yeah. Pretty good. Also, the cavern is the name of the actual uh, club, in, mm-hmm. I think in Germany, that uh, the Beatles sort of right. cut their teeth at and, and got good at. And that's not a bad joke because it's not elbowing you in the ribs the no. entire time. It's subtle. It's just called the same thing. And if you know a, that. It's a troll bar. Exactly. And trolls hang out in caves. So but it could just be that. I don't mind the real world references if it's something, if, you, if you're in on the joke, it's funny. And if you're not, it doesn't matter. But so many of these were him... Like, eh, you get it, you get it, you get it. Like, Yeah, yes. there was a lot of winky, winky, nudgy, nudgy just, stuff. Just like in moving pictures. Yeah. It's very tedious. But there is no more, there are no more books like this. There might be a couple of bad books, but there's no more things from our world and bad puns and mm-hmm. bad references. We're done with that kind of book. This is the last one. There's a few, like, there's books that have elements of this in it, but it's yeah, but not nowhere. like, it's not like this again. No, not at all. Like, yeah, there's similar things. Mm-hmm. But again, I don't mind when things from our world be, exist in their world in, like, the iconograph. They have photographs because the internal logic is a magic demon paints a picture for yep. you. That's fine. All right. So that is all for this time. Oh, we, you didn't say your grade. Oh, yes. My grade is the D. Uh-huh. It's it's just a D. This yeah. is not a this wasn't very good. No, it's not the worst one we've read, not by far, but it's probably it's got to be in my bottom like ten. This is my bottom ten. Oh, it's my bottom five probably. Mm-hmm. All right, that's all for this time. This has been a co-production of Ron Algar Watt and Amanda Smith for Algar Productions and Giant Black Albatross. Copyright 2019 and 2020. For full archives, RSS feed, and more details about us, visit thedeathofpodcast.com. And for access to our show notes, bonus photos, advanced copies of episodes, and even the opportunity to pick something for us to review, consider a donation at patreon.com slash algar. That's A-A-L-G-A-R. Thanks for listening.